going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 209 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, and today I will not be joined by Joey Carrion as I usually am, but instead I will be joined by longtime friend of the show and one of the greatest best ball drafters in human history, James Brimacombe. James, welcome to the show. It's fantastic to have you back. Oh, thanks for having me, Ben. Appreciate it. DFS Dose is, keeps on trucking, so uh, I love it. So keep it up, you and Joey. It's awesome. It is, it is. And I mean, you know, it, it didn't hurt, you know, getting a uh, championship win in the best ball streets myself last year. You know, that's always good for the pod. And and you also won a couple, not not just one, but two best ball tournaments last season. Uh, kind of takes the pressure off, doesn't it? <laughs> a, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you're nothing until you, I mean, second place, I didn't sniff second place. So yeah, I only... People only care about first place, so mine was more of the playoff format. So I, you, you, you have the legit one. So you know, I, I, I really like that playoff format. I mean, obviously, you know, come that time of the season, it's just fun to have best ball drafting back. But I mean, the strategy is definitely different. I mean, there's just so much unknown. There's obviously always going to be unknown in best ball, especially like at this point in the season where we are right now. But in the playoffs, I mean, half the guys you're drafting are going to get knocked out week one. I mean, how, how do you? incorporate that into your strategy are you taking heavy stands on you know the certain teams you believe can make a push or are you just trying to spread your exposures um yes definitely i came to that dark side where it's kind of it's basically just team stacking like or bust Mm -hmm. like you're just hoping maybe one out of 10 of these is actually gonna just slide into the and and make a run so yeah it's that's all it is it's not even you just have to be present in those drafts and you have to you have to think of the game theory you have to look at the current rosters and you, you just have to draft accordingly um and you just try to get a piece of of all the teams. Um, you can hard fade a few teams too, but yeah, that's all it was. <laughs> do you, do you think that's sort of similar to the pre-draft best ball tournaments in the sense that you know you don't know where the players are going? You're largely taking stands on information that's going to drastically change, you know, a week or two out, and, and then you know the same way that the information changes with the playoff format in, in some ways uh, in some ways I, i've kind of learned this because this is what year five i've been playing in best ball um and every year i think oh you know you gotta jump in these contests early you gotta get your values get your guys but at the same time you're getting a lot of just like garbage like you're getting guys that just aren't getting draft capital they're landing in bad spots i'm starting to learn like the closer you wait to to kick off of these contests it's actually i think it's better like i haven't ran all the numbers and i think there is a few people out there to have and i think people are starting to realize that a little bit more so so i've been learning that a lot more especially those that the playoff contest you know the seating you know kind of the bracket how everything's going to fall out no matter if it's even nba or any of the contests like that for playoffs um i think the more information you get yeah you might not get all these values but you can build stronger teams and that that's kind of what i'm so yeah before pre-draft you're gonna get awesome values on some guys but you're also gonna get probably half the guys that you're just like I shouldn't have drafted those guys. So yeah, I I mean personally, I I maxed the one tournament on drafters. I didn't do too much underdog pre-draft, but you know the players that I came away with with the highest ownership, I was not happy with. You know Malik Willis was my <laughs> highest owned quarterback, so I I was like 
you know, that could have gone one or two ways and it didn't go my way. And, you know, obviously there's going to be other hits where like, you know, I have a decent amount of Chris Olave and, and stuff like that, but you know, it can really go hit or miss. And I guess that's sort of the variance that you got to try and capitalize on. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And it's kind of how you value. If you're a draft guy and you know these guys a little bit better, maybe you have a little bit more advantage, but it, it's just hard. It's hard. You don't know the landing spots. Like, I don't think it gives you a crazy advantage. Like you're not going to, Maybe you luck into a super team because you you hit on all the guys every round, but it's it's pretty rare from what I see looking back at my teams and other people's teams. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. So you mentioned that this is your fifth year playing best ball, and I feel like we had the same conversation the last time you were on the podcast, but this is an exciting time to be in best ball. There is so much expansion. And then this year, they just upped it a whole nother level. I mean, Underdog's Best Ball Mania 3 has a $10 million prize pool. They're making three separate million dollar winners, two mil to first, uh, a million to second, another million to most regular season points. That might be the first ever 3x millimaker tournament ever, DFS included. It's definitely is that I can think of. Um, Even drafters, you know, they went from a top prize of 10k last year to 250,000 like all of these companies are scaling up and it's just a really incredible time to be you know a, a passionate best ball drafter no 100 yeah we we have so many options and we're gonna have so many options this year and there's so many more people in the space just as far as people giving out good good uh, content to, to help people along but also just so many new users they want to check it out they want to try it so that's that's super exciting um so i think now you just have to kind of sit back a little bit more and not just go head first dive in and throw your whole bankroll just out there in in a couple of days because you're going to have unlimited amount of contests you can enter this year on mm-hmm. all the sites combined and if one fills they're just going to put out another one out there so I think you can, if you, hey, the 25, it's fun. It's nice to have this 2 million up top. Like that's all everyone's going to talk about all summer. I, I get that, but maybe you want to just put a few shots in there and, and you maybe you'd rather put 25 bucks into five separate contests or something like that. So yeah, there's, oh, there's yeah. going to be lots of ways, lots of things. And I've, I'm excited. Yes. About underdog. I'm excited about drafters, like drafters, even 200, was it 250 to, thousand to first two two hundred fifty thousand to first a one million dollar prize pool up from last year their biggest contest being 50k i mean they literally 20x the size of their large contest yeah so even just like that a small company like that they're just like clawing their way and and then they release something like that uh, that's pretty incredible um underdog they just have they have so many users and marketing money that they have and and all those things so that's not surprising that how big that is and when the puppies come it's not going to be surprising how big those are or what formats they are um but it's nice to have options it's nice to have different places to play in different formats yeah so i mean this is just anecdotal i don't have any any facts to back this up but does it still feel to you like there's like a barrier in terms of best ball breaking through to mainstream popularity because even though there's all this money up top and you know you can see underdog commercials on national tv it still feels like best ball is still like the smallest niche fantasy format like i feel like more people are still interested in like dynasty and stuff like that on twitter than best ball despite all this money and all this promotion push Uh, yeah i can see that i can i i can see we have maybe another year window in it but just the popularity of these contests just going to be flooding everywhere Mm -hmm. people are going to be talking about them they're going to get talked up more 
we saw it last year and, and and yeah it's just carrying on even more into this year i think you're right i think there is just like one more year one more push and one more year the people that have been in it people have been drafting for the last few years i think we have still a little bit of advantage and a little bit like we know how to what to do, how the drafts are going to fall, just more familiar every time we're in a draft room. So, yeah, and it's just going to be fun along the way, and everyone's kind of cheers for each other. You know, you have your friends, and you see them on the leaderboard and things like that. It's kind of a fun community. Yeah, and and I love the fact that they are continuing to innovate, you know, underdog where they added this, you know, total points bonus on top of the playoff uh, format and they're going to have leaderboards that they're tracking all year. It's just, it's cool, you know, they're making it more of a like spectator format, which I think is important, you know, I mean, like these best ball tournaments, I feel like should be treated like, you know, poker tournaments where people on the outside are watching along and, and, you know, figuring it out. That seems like it would be huge for the marketability. Oh, that'd be, I mean, that'd be awesome, right? Then that would be push you more. Like, I want to put more money out there because I want to try to get on that leaderboard, right? And so, no, if if that's the way it would, it's going, that that's just, that's super exciting for everybody. So, how many teams have you drafted so far? We've really only had, you know, prior to last week with the launch of these two new tournaments, really just the two main tournaments, the one on drafters and the pre-draft tournament on underdog. Did you max both of them? Were you were you close to maxing both of them? Um, yes, I did. I maxed the big board and I maxed the big board superflex. And the reason I did that is. Uh, $10 buy-in. I like that. I like that. If they were 25, I would not have maxed those. Okay. If they were $5, I would probably like 100% of maxing a $5 contest. $10 kind of in the middle, but I kind of like the, I like the format too. I liked, you know, three teams advance and things like that. And closer to lock, you maybe can build better rosters, but everyone's on the same playing field, right? As soon as the draft starts, uh, it's yep. cut off and so we all have the same information we're working on. Yeah, I really like those contests. I, I'm probably up to like over 700 in underdog drafts. And like I, I maxed the drafters one as well. Kind of just felt like it was, what was that one? 555? So it was five. Yep. Yeah, so it was worth it to me on that one. Um, definitely takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. Sometimes you can kind of feel yourself slacking in, in, in what you're doing in the draft room. So kind of have to double check myself on on sometimes i'm drafting so much what what percentage of your drafts do you do fast versus slow like what's your split so i'm gonna do best ball mania it's only gonna be uh fast drafts i'm not gonna do any slow okay. drafts this year um the drafters one i'm probably gonna do 50 50 on their 20 dollar entry so i'll probably do half slow half fast but i think the advantage is definitely in the fast drafts that's i've Agreed. done so many of them and i can kind of mm-hmm. If you have the time, right? So if you have the time, you're you're gonna have uh, an advantage in the in in those draft rooms, I believe. Yeah, that's definitely the balance that I'm trying to figure out. You know, I I definitely agree that you know people are gonna make more mistakes in the fast drafts, especially people who haven't done hundreds and hundreds of drafts. Like once you get to that point, you're almost on autopilot, but like in a good way. You know, you don't really sit there and get bogged down by the thoughts. You just you know know you know what to d- decisions to make because you can feel it out so well, but. Yeah, I mean the slow drafts are just so good for getting volume in. That's that's sort of the uh, conundrum that I think some people find themselves in. Well, I think well the slow what I saw this year too is the free agency. So if you're gonna play the free agency card and and people hate the slow drafts, right? Like this guy's yeah. milking the clock. But there was a strategy there. Like if you wanted to put a hundred teams on slow draft and just play around with free agency and milk the clock every time, 
you're going to get crazy values all the time. Like the news was crazy this summer. And, and I don't think we've yeah. seen that in the past. So I think that's like kind of a newer thing to the NFL. That was an advantage, but I don't think, I don't think the rest of the season we're going to have crazy advantage on a slow draft. Like there's, you're not going to see things like that, but yeah, maybe next year pre, pre, uh, free agency, that's the way to go. Slow draft. Yeah, it definitely could be, especially if this, you know, the way the NFL is operating now is a trend. And I, I kind of suspect it will be with major offseason moves every single year. Have you noticed any general differences in the way that, you know, the field is drafting this year compared to last? You think people are getting a little bit sharper with more and more best ball information out there? I see more balanced builds out there. I see different trends. I see quarterbacks going earlier. I see a lot of different names that are drafting kind of, you can tell they're drafting on the same kind of ranking. But I think there's a lot more information out there. So yeah, I think I've noticed that the the draft rooms that over the last couple of weeks, uh, yeah, since the NFL draft, have been obviously those first few days are kind of chaotic and you could get values. But as soon as ADP shifted after like first three days, I've noticed draft rooms a lot harder, tighter. They they're just I I'm not liking my teams as much. Mm. So I don't know if that's something you're seeing as well. But I, I so I didn't do too much uh, drafting into the superflex on underdog. I did max over on drafters, and I guess what I noticed is that you know the earlier the drafts were, the tighter the competition was. Like mm. those are the hardcore people that are getting in early, and you know. Every draft, there's two or three or four guys that are, you know, at the same pace that I'm in. They have 80 teams in or 100 teams in. Right. It really got a lot softer towards the end once, you know, the promotion started kicking in. People were chasing the overlay. And then, you know, half the drafts are filled with, you know, first-time drafters or people who are in their first five. So, I don't know. I wonder if it's going to be similar with these bigger tournaments where all these drafts now are going to be tight with the Sharps, the people who are going to end up with 100-plus entries by the end of it. And, you know, waiting till August, not only do we have more information but we've also got new people coming in so that that might be the way to go it's still something i'm trying to figure out no i i think you're on to something i think that's 100 percent true right like people you're in draft rooms with now it's like half of them are posting their lineups on twitter and different things like yeah. that and we're all kind of friends just drafting and sniping each other and fighting against each other so no you're on to something for sure so and and that's kind of where i'm going pushing back a little bit i want to like slow down my pace and yeah i don't need to do 10 best ball manias a day right now like there's no point of that <laughs> no the only point is to you know feed that that addiction that we have yeah something <laughs> like that or or is like hey i'm gonna lose this money somewhere else if i don't put it in play right now then it's at right. least it's there still <laughs> true true all right well let's get into some player specific takes you know that that's what the people love and i couldn't help but notice over the past couple of months it, it seems from the outside that you've been sort of the lead conductor of the Nick Chubb hype train. I mean, am I, am I correct in that assessment? Are you, are you big on Chubb this year? So I think it all started basically. I just put out there. It's like, Hey, Nick Chubb, awesome value, you know, second, third round, right, right around the turn, right in the second, third round. And then I got like some pushbacks, like, well, you know, the, all the wide receiver lovers out there. And it's like, okay, this dude could lead the NFL and rushing. He, why couldn't he score a touchdown every game? You know, um, mm -hmm. we're on underdog scoring most of my drafts where touchdowns are important. Like I don't need a back that catches. Obviously, yeah, a back that catches 10 passes a game or whatever, but it's not as important on underdog, the touchdowns you want. So I, 
I just kind of, I don't know, I kind of thought it was funny. And so then I just kind of pushed them up my board a little bit, you know, and just like these drafts were five, ten dollar drafts. So I didn't mind a couple of times. I just like, hey, I'm going to take them first overall. Screw that, you know, and just not to prove my point, <laughs> but just just because like, yeah, Jonathan Taylor obviously is the 101, but like Chubb can be like a top. But when it's all said and done, like he could be just as good as who's Derek Henry and Eckler. Like he could outscore those guys. No problem. So I, I try not to take stands on certain players. Like that's not, not how I draft. I, I kind of view most players equally. I don't want to be the guy that takes shares of everybody and wants my ownership equal on everybody. But like for best ball, everybody's there's, there's value in each, each draft pick you take and each player. So especially tournaments. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And especially across a large portfolio of players, you know, as far as Nick Chubb goes, you know, I wasn't super sold on it, especially since I've primarily been playing on drafters. I mean, I'm in full support of taking him 101 just for the bit equity. I'm I'm all about that, especially when some when people when like a large amount of people start pushing back on your take, you just got to double and triple down. It's the only option on Twitter. So yeah. I I got mad respect for that. Yeah, um, his owner. I mean, I'm probably like 15, 20 percent ownership on him. Like, I'm not gonna draft him overvalued because I can't. I can take him in the second round still or early mm-hmm. third round sometimes and i just thought it was funny i don't know yeah i still think there's upside for cream hunt to be traded too especially with dearness johnson and they added jerome ford you know cream hunt could definitely be a late season late off season player on the move i think and and that would just shoot nick chubb up even a little bit higher i mean he could be derrick henry when the titans had no pass catchers nothing and it's just give the ball to henry mm-hmm. 30 times and we roll into the playoffs and you're you know like no other team's doing that. Everyone's just passing. So why the Browns? I mean, Watson. We don't know what's going on with him yet. So who who knows what their game plan is going to be? Yeah, you know. Speaking of of Watson, when you're drafting a large portfolio of teams, how are you handling the higher risk situations? You know, players like Deshaun Watson, Michael Thomas comes to mind. A guy who could smash his ADP if things break right, or you could just be completely burning a fifth, sixth round pick on. I mean, are, are you? you know, taking stands against? Or are you just trying to be in line or, or do you want to have a little bit higher exposure so that if these guys do hit, you're getting paid off, you know, higher relative to the field? I think it depends how your draft's going, how how you feel about the guys you have ahead of them already. Like if I already mm-hmm. had another starting top quarterback for my QB1, and then yeah, definitely I want Watson as my QB2 in a tournament. Same with Thomas. Like I haven't been drafting much Thomas, but if he falls a little bit to where his ADP is and I'm already have three wide receivers deep, like, yes, like sign me up for wide receiver four with Michael Thomas. Right. So you're looking at it more on a team by team basis opposed to a like percent owned in your portfolio perspective. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like on those kind of players, it's, it's not worth it for me to reach on them. It's not worth it for them. I don't want Michael Thomas as my wide receiver one or my wide receiver two. And I don't want Watson as my QB one. Like that's kind of how I'm looking at it. The same with a lot of the rookies. That's I want to make sure like I want portions of those. I want percentages of those, but I don't want to overdraft them. If they fall to me, I'll take them as part of my builds. That's kind of how I'm attacking kind of situations yeah i mean on the subject of of rookies it's a little bit surprising to me that drake london and Traylon burks are, are going about 15 picks higher than that next tier of rookie wide receivers i mean 
you know, London and Burks are both going as back-end wide receiver threes in terms of underdog ADP. I don't even know if I think that these should be the top two rookie wide receivers off the board. I mean, how do you feel about those two, and do you think they're deserving to be in a whole separate tier from Sky Moore, mm. Wilson, Olave, etc.? Yeah, I, I don't know. So I think they're all these rookies are getting pushed up right now, so I don't know. And and those two, I feel like probably are the safest, just as far as opportunity goes, in, just really bad teams, and they're the only guys there, right? So they're just, I mean, depending on how they do in train camp and everything else, they're gonna be the guys. So I I can see their price maybe paying off and worth it and then we've seen all these rookie receivers just going off the last few years so people are trying to hit on one of those but i like those i prefer those guys as more of my wide receiver four kind of like like that flex spot Mm -hmm. not not pushing them up to my wide receiver two wide receiver three where i gotta count on them right away i i like olave too like i think he should be up there with them so I think they just invested so much in him just to get him like amount of assets they gave up to select him. And then I also don't really know how I feel about Michael Thomas. So I kind of think the Saints hate him. I I don't know. Like there's feels like there's bad blood there. So I don't even know if he's going to be on their team. There hasn't been a good news report on Michael Thomas in two years. And I don't know if they hate him or if he hates them or they just mutually hate each other. But I would not be surprised in the least bit if Michael Thomas never played another step uh, for the Saints. So, I mean, to me, Olave going as the fifth wide receiver attached to potentially the best passing quarterback of the group in Jameis Winston. Like, I, I would rather my wide receiver be getting the ball from Winston than Mariota or, or Tannehill at this point. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm all aboard Chris Olave at the cheapest price and potentially the most year one upside. No, I, de- I definitely he's a he's a bargain right now. I think he's like 20 spots below ADP on those other two. So yeah, I definitely, I think there's something there. And I think as time goes on, we're going to get, we're going to find more to this story. And oh. yeah, and they like that kid. So yeah, it could, it could, he could be the, what, the rookie, rookie of the year kind of guy, the the top rookie receiver for sure. Yeah. I mean, on DraftKings, his, his rookie receiving line is 719 and a half at minus 125. That's, yeah. That seems like a good bet, a phenomenal bet, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, you bullish on any of these rookie running backs not named Brees Hall? I mean, are, are you on the Kenneth Walker hype train? I, I personally will be on the sideline for that, but how do you feel about it? I think that it's pretty cheap right now, to be honest. I think it's worth taking shots because people are divided. Like, people are like, I want Penny. You know, like, Penny's the better. They get, see what he did. See, they gave him, they signed him to, what, $5 million for one-year deal. Yep. So, I think there's a little bit of value there. And again, I don't want him as my... Yeah, like running back two flex spot like but you can get them as your running back four in in these kind of tournaments like second half of nfl seasons are crazy usually like it's so unpredictable and and a guy like kenneth walker yeah he could be a top top five top ten running back come weeks 13 14 you know wow damn yeah i mean i suppose he could to me i'm looking at this situation as like you know two running backs with limited pass catching upside on a team that probably won't score that much so i'm not super bullish on it but i hear you obviously penny goes down and the workload uh would be skyrocketing for walker i don't know if i if i take penny over walker or not like it's kind of flip if you want the safe guy it's probably penny like a good floor 
for your team, right? But if you want the upside, you probably have to go Walker, like if they're both sitting there. So that's kind yeah, of how I mean, that. Penny's going 30 picks later on underdog. I, I like that value quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't realize it was that much. How about James Cook? He's the other interesting name that people seem slightly divided on. Obviously, lands in a great offense, but we're just not sure what kind of work he's going to get with Singletary, plus this being, you know, a pass first offense and Josh Allen being a threat at the goal line. So I don't know what it is about, like, even James Cook and then Sky Moore. Like, those two and Christian Watson, like, those kind of rookies, they just. The landing spots are incredible because of the offenses they're going to, but I could not believe James Cook's ADP, and I still can't believe it. Like, every time I see it, oh, yeah. was like 110 or something right now in underdog. That's like, wow. Mm-hmm. 110. So, why not take Singletary? Like, he's the same, almost the same ADP. Like, I don't know. I haven't been drafting James Cook, and probably the way it's going, I'm not going to be drafting him. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, God, you could get, like, 20 picks later, Alexander Madison, Ronald Jones, guys like that, and I'll be all over that sort of situation. Yeah, I'd rather like the Alexander Madison and Stevenson and, yeah, those kind of guys just later to fill in my running back spot because I think you're going to get the same. But, I mean, you don't have tied to Josh Allen, but we still don't know what James Cook is. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, you know, obviously on all of these sites, you go by the name of Eagles, and this was a interesting past couple of weeks for the Eagles who, you know, made one of the biggest moves of draft night in securing AJ Brown. Are you bullish on this Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown combo going in? I mean, I'm seeing pictures of them wearing Mickey Mouse ears together at Disneyland. <laughs> I'm all in on Jalen Hurts. I think QB seven is too low. So you've well, this is the third year I've been talking to you guys. I always talk about the freaking Eagles every time, and it always mm-hmm. ends badly. So I, I try to hold, I try to hold back myself on on the Eagles, but I still keep drafting them. Like, and I, I agree, Hurts. I think he is probably he should be out there with Kyler and Burrow, and like he's right there with those guys, especially with all the weapons and with he just runs. So you can't find those running quarterbacks anymore either. So. I think he's well worth it. Um, I think he is a value still right now. He could be more along the lines. Like, I, I'd take Lamar over him. I'd take, obviously, Josh Allen, Mahomes, probably over him, yes. Um, but he's right. He's probably the next Herbert. Like, he might be there with Herbert and Burrow and, and Tyler. So, I'd put him right there. I, I mean, I, I think he should be QB5. I think he should clear cut be ahead of Joe Burrow just yeah. based off the rushing alone. And then Kyler, you know, it was close for me, them two at QB five and, you know, Hertz gets AJ Brown. Kyler loses six games out of Hopkins. That's enough for me. Jalen Hurts, QB five. Yeah. I, I kind of like Kyler too, though. Just the way he's fallen, people are down on him, right? They're just bashing them all, for all sure, off for season, sure. but I think there's value there. So I, I've actually started a lot of teams with both Kyler and Hertz. I, I think Ooh. I think that's kind of a fun combo. And and you don't have to pay a ton. You can still get your running backs and a couple of receivers. You can almost get those guys like fifth, sixth round to go with two running backs and two receivers. And that's a fun way to start. I like that. I like that. All right. Is there anybody that you want to put your stamp on? Like, you know, who who's your high owned guy that, you know, maybe the rest of the field isn't as bullish on as you? So, yeah, I think Kyler is one. He was definitely on my list. Um, only Hurts as well. Uh, Lamar, I'm big on Lamar this year. I think CeeDee Lamb is one guy that I think should be a first-round draft pick. I think mm. he has a chance to be wide receiver one overall. Oh, um, I like that. I like, and then lesser degree, like some of the later guys that I, I've been liking, Claypool still. Uh, Pollard, I think, is, I think Zeke's 
I think it's just going to come to an end. I think Pollard's like one of the hidden gems right now. Um, MVS is uh, like his upside. I don't know. Some some of the later guys like we talked about, Madison. I think he's he's mm-hmm. a definitely great play. We don't know what's going on with Dalvin Cook with maybe some suspension, but also injury risk, and also he's getting up there, so like, we could be passing the torch on there soon, sooner than later too. So I, I like him. I think Jarvis Landry is a good pick right now. Like he's so cheap. He's like one sixty, one seventy ADP, and like if he lands with like the Packers or somewhere, he's gonna be like top eighty pick. So I think yeah. I think he's worth taking shots on right now. I mean, I've been drafting the absolute hell out of Jarvis Landry and Will Fuller because their prices are so depressed that I feel like almost no matter where they land, they're gonna rise in ADP. It would be hard for them to lose value almost anywhere because they're just so dirt cheap right now. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree that it's weird that there's still all these free agents out there. Like I don't, I don't know why these guys aren't just getting picked up yet, especially now after the draft and. Kind of people have their rosters a little bit more set on the depth chart, but there's still lots of yeah. decent free agents out there. These guys probably see, you know, the Christian Kirks of the world getting paid and want similar money, and teams just aren't willing to to pay at this point. Yeah, that's got to be it, right? It's just a money issue. Yeah. Money issue. They think they're worth more than what they are. That that's the report around Jarvis Landry too. I mean, that's just literally out there. He wants more money, so somebody's gonna right. somebody's gonna have to bend, and it's probably gonna have to be him. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, let's close it out here with your absolute deepest sleeper. You know, somebody that may not even be on the radar of the field. Last year, the tournament that I won, Cordero Patterson was a key piece. I had one share of Cordero Patterson on drafters, and it happened to be the winning team. You know, this was a guy that wasn't getting drafted. Just goes to show you that ownership leverage does exist in certain situations on best ball. Do you have anybody like that? that the field just may not even be focused on. See, I love I love like these pre-NFL draft ones where there are 20 rounds because I felt like you could take those two darts, right? So eight, yep. 18 rounds, it feels a little bit harder to do it. Kind of, it kind of, and, and that's why Patterson's going to be, what, three or four percent owned what he was because people yep. aren't willing to do it. But if you had 20 rounds, I bet you his owner should have, would have been closer to 30, 40 percent. But yeah, so I'm kind of, that question, like, Duvernay is a guy that I kind of tweeted about here not too long ago, um, but I mean, mm-hmm. if they sign Landry or something like that, then his he's probably back down the depth chart. But if they don't sign anyone else, like he just seems like a steal to me. Third year wide receiver with Lamar there now, like he could. Everyone's on Bateman, I get it, but Duvernay could be sneaky. Some of the other names I I was thinking Eno Benjamin's a guy I like in Arizona. People have been burned so many times, right? Like he just hasn't seen the field. Edmonds is out now, and they drafted Ingram, Ingram the rookie too. So like, if you're not going to go Eno, maybe it's him. But I kind of like Eno. Uh, that's my like 18th round picks here. Um, name like people know all these names, right? Another maybe. Tight end, I'd go like Ricky Seals Jones. I think he's decent. My opportunity is going to be there. Uh, yeah. Tennessee, the Westbrook Akina, like I think he's worth it. Team likes him, sign them again, and there's just opportunity. So it's all names that are gross, but I just I don't know if any of them are going to take off and be world beaters but i'd say duvernay would be my guy out of all the bunch this one probably won't shock you but you know hop in the time machine with me let's go back two years and get back on the darius slayton hype train (laughs) at wide receiver 124 they didn't add anybody in the draft there's all this tension with Kadarius tony we got the coaching upgrade 
you know, I was two years too early, but I think it might be Darius Slayton time once again. Am I am I just living in false hope still? I don't know. Are you drafting him still? I, I his ADP is two fifteen point nine. I definitely started taking some shares at the last few entries on drafters, and uh, I'm gonna take some more shots. Yeah, see, I, I think twenty round drafts, he's worth the twentieth round pick, but I don't know if I'm taking. He's probably worth a couple shots, maybe. I mean, you can get the spike week that that could be there too. So I think he's worth it, but yeah, I haven't been drafting him personally. I should probably bump him up a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's gonna have to do something before I ever call him Goaty. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, I mean, thank you so much for joining the podcast, taking out the time. I know you're busy constructing winning rosters out there. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug? Uh, anything that you're doing out there for the people to check out? Uh, so this year I'll be on Football Guys um, with all my content. So get my rankings here updated shortly, uh, kind of fine-tune them. I've been drafting the last week or so just to kind of see what I, where I want to move guys and, and things like that. So I've been working on that personally, but I haven't posted kind of all my adjustments yet. And then weekly I should, here in May, I'm going to have a kind of looking at just the best ball report kind of article on football guys we're looking at kind of some of the risers ballers kind of industry news things like that maybe a couple players i think are just undervalued and overvalued things like that so once a week i'll have something up there all right love that james brimacombe everybody you can find his work on football guys this off season and that is going to be it for episode 209 of the dfs dose podcast you can follow the show at the dfs dose on twitter i'm at ben hover james is at james brimacombe if you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on on the podcast you can join our discord for free the link to do that is in the show notes to the podcast to everybody listening out there we appreciate you we value you Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.